Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. The queen is dead. Long live the queen, or something like that. I'm not exactly sure. It is 10.23 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 9th day of the ninth month of 2022. Tick tock, This is episode 612 of Bitcoin, and I got the boostograms. And the first one up, first one up is from Pitar. P-E-T-A-R, P-T-A-R, 50,000 sats. Now, before I get in, I'm going to read the message, but P-T-A-R, if you're listening, I looked high and low on my node to look for that transaction and I didn't get it. So make sure that you got it back because otherwise I don't know where it went unless it just got split up into a shit ton of 50 sat, you know, invoices of which I have a lot of, but I can't tell because I keep looking for like a 50, you know, a 49,000 sat, uh, invoice. And I'm looking at ride the lightning and I'm also looking on Thunderhub, and I'm looking, you sent it right now about 16 hours ago, according to fountain app. And I just want to let you know that I, it doesn't look like I got it. I'm fine with that. I'm definitely going to read your your uh, boostergram anyway, but I want to make sure that it's just not lost. Okay, so let me know, dude. Let me know. This may be a liquidity issue on uh, my node since I am in control of my node. Um, just, I, I'm not exactly sure. So just check. I just want you to check, okay? Marty puts it best. Carbon is steroids for trees. Before the Wuhan bullshit in 2020, I thought perhaps the Davos billionaires were well-intentioned but severely misguided. My eyes are open now. I see these people as actively trying to reduce the world's food supply and hence place humanity into further bondage. As the saying goes, once is happenstance, twice is coincidence, three times is enemy action. And then he has a reply to his own boostergram that says, or was it steak for trees? Well, you know what I mean. Thank you for the gift of 50,000 Satoshi's Pitar. Uh, again, please uh, look to make sure that you got that back because it's I'm not seeing an invoice that was incoming on either uh, Ride the Lightning or Thunderhub, which are the two windows that I use to look into my Lightning node. Uh, moving on, letters 6173 with the Striper Boost, 7,777 sats which I did get, I can see that invoice. This boost was made at the time of block 753218. Thank you, bro. Uh, Chaka, 300 sats, no message. 
FW7, 120 sats, no message. I like the messages, guys. I do. I, re- I, I enjoy the messages. So please, if you're going to throw me sats, throw me a message too. I, I, I will definitely read those. All right. So queen is dead. Long live the queen. 96 years old. You got to admit, good run. Right, really good run. I think she's the longest living monarch in the history of all the kings and queens of England. Not sure about that. Somebody fact check me, but I think that that is the case. I was not a fan of the queen. Okay, that doesn't mean that I hated her, but I just, you know, she's like all the rest of them. I, I certainly sure shit don't trust them, but I have to give credit where credit is due. She was very queen-like, and she served like 60 years as the monarch of England, my God, you know, I mean, holy smokes, that's a good run. And even if she wasn't queen, it's a good run for life. 96 years old, dude, not bad. However, we've got, this has instigated a sluice gate opening that is now letting human filth pour out from the crypto community like the sludge that it is. What do I mean? Well, Brian Quarby is going to define that shit from Cointelegraph. Crypto markets see flood of Queen Elizabeth meme coins and NFTs. Crypto degenerates have wasted no time after the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, flooding the crypto markets with more than 40 new queen-related meme tokens and hundreds of brand new non-fungible tokens in the same vein. New tokens launched on decentralized exchanges on the BNB smart chain and Ethereum over the past 24 hours include names such as Queen Elizabeth Inu, Save the Queen, Queen, Queen Doge, London Bridge is Down, and Rip Queen Elizabeth. According to data from DexScreener, the Queen Elizabeth Inu token is BSC-based pancake swap has since had the biggest price value gain over the past 24 hours with... An eye-watering, wait for it, 28,506% pump, all the way up to 0.00008 United States dollars at the time of writing. It's $391,000 worth of 24-hour trade volume pales in comparison to the Elizabeth token, however, which has seen $2.7 million worth of trade volume in just under 12 hours. The asset has also had a meteoric pump of 8,442% and sits at 5.9 United States pennies. It's worth noting that both Queen Elizabeth Inu and Elizabeth have just $17,000 and $204,000 worth of liquidity behind them, indicating a lack of serious backing behind and a potential for short-lived pump and dump, similar to the infamous Squid Games token that crashed and burned in October of last year. The 135,000-strong crypto-hating community R-Buttcoin has, of course, chimed in on the matter with a user was it Wallapree joking that they are feeling bullish. The UK will adopt Queen Elizabeth II commemorative token as their national currency in the coming weeks. This came in response to a screen grabbed photo from a post in the R 
cryptocurrency community, this is all on Reddit, by the way, that was commenting on how embarrassing this looks for the crypto industry as a whole. No shit, dude. Over on NFT Marketplace OpenSea, the Rip Queen Elizabeth project has also sprouted up within hours of the queen passing away. There are 520, 520, I'm repeating it third time, 520 NFTs in the collection with each token featuring artistic renditions of the queen with sinister undertones. It appears collectors have not jumped behind the project as of yet, as it has generated just 0.06 ether worth of sale volume, and that's roughly $101. The amount of NFTs in the collection seems to suggest that the project's creator was waiting for the right moment to launch the collection. No, I don't think so. And here's the reason why. With um, the advent of AI art uh, websites and uh, generators and whatnot like that, it is very easy to generate hundreds, hundreds of versions of the exact same thing. And I'm looking at six or eight of these pictures right now, and they look very much like they were uh, done by Dolly, D-A-L-L hyphen E. If you, if you start, if you, if you're down that rabbit hole of the AI generated art, you know what I mean? If you're not, you should at least look at it because it's not going to go away. How do I know? Because I just spent $10 for a subscription to mid journey because it's really cool. I do not. However, I'm not one of the, the, one of the people that subscribe to the notion that human art is going away anytime soon. It is not. People will always make art. This, this AI stuff, there's a lot of people that are saying, oh, well, you know, human art is over. There's no, you know, no reason for us to do that anymore. And, you know, nobody's going to get paid. I do agree that there might be some issues with paying human artists, but humans from themselves are always going to create. We are always going to create. That's, it's almost like a mandate from God that when you're born, you're going to be destined to create something. And it's going to be artistic. Even if you're a hardcore engineer, at one point in your life, you're going to create something artistic. It may suck, it may not, but you're going to create something artistic because it's just inherent in the human spirit. But be that as it may, I think most of these were generated by an AI thing, these Queen Elizabeth NFTs. And this is the end of the article, by the way, but a couple of comments here. Stop. You may not like the queen. I certainly didn't like the queen, but come on, man. And and does this look bad for the crypto industry? Yeah, but almost everything that the crypto industry generates looks bad for the crypto industry because 99.9% of it is just pure bullshit right? Only Bitcoin matters. If you can remember that, chances are good. You'll be okay. Uh, Unlike the people in Europe, breaking market news. And I'm not sure if this is true, but this doesn't surprise me. Uh, They had a tweet come, come down this morning that said, European document, the EU will propose to reduce each country's total electricity consumption by 10%, according to the Wall Street Journal. I have not sourced that yet. So if that's wrong, you know, but the the reason I bring it to you is that it doesn't surprise me. 
It doesn't surprise me one bit, not, not at all, because of the $1.5 trillion in illiquidity that the energy markets have across the EU. And if you don't think that that's not going to jack up their shit coming into winter, you're fooling yourself. It's going to be bad. And even if they clear that up today, it's still going to be bad. It's just an awful thing. However, I have heard rumors that the, that the uh, UK and possibly places in the EU are lifting bans on fracking. But you know what? You can't bring that shit online like a switch. You don't just go out to an oil patch and just frack it in a couple of days. Oh, no. And if you haven't spun that entire industry up, and you've got to get like contractors that know what the hell they're doing because they've been doing it day in and day out in the United States and bring them over. They've got to draft a plan. They got to find the place. They got to figure, they got to get the equipment. You're not turning this on before winter. You're not turning, if, if they are wanting to frack, they are not fracking before winter. I guarantee it. So you might want to, you know, pour one out for our, our fellows in the EU because it's going to be a hard ass winter. Now, moving on, I want to say I haven't actually addressed very much about the whole Washington, D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine and his lawsuit against Saylor. And I'm not going to say anything really about the Saylor part of the lawsuit. I kind of want to just go through Racine's Twitter feed and look at some of his past items here. Now, I'm going to scroll back down to where we're getting way past where the news was about, let's get into like, I don't know, mid-July. Here's a, here's a tweet. We're suing JanPro for running a multi-level franchising scheme that preys on district janitors, denying them hard-earned wages. Let's go to a different one. Uh, Last December, I sued the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers, the first level lawsuit by a government entity. Uh, Another one from July the 11th. We're also suing Polymer 80, a leading manufacturer of ghost guns. Hmm, he seems to be very interested in suing every single person on the planet. I want you to understand this. This is a gentleman who doesn't give shit one whether or not Saylor paid his taxes or whether or not he overstayed his residency in D.C. that enabled the tax collection guys over in Washington, D.C. to, to tax him, whatever, you know, that, that has nothing to do with this. And I honestly, I kind of don't think it has anything to do that much with trying to squelch Bitcoin. I think he's just picking any high profile thing that he can because he wants higher office. I don't know how any of these other lawsuits that he's filed have come out, but he's just, all he does is sue people. Uh, We're suing Mark Zuckerberg. This is from May 23 for his role in Facebook's misleading privacy practices. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, uh, Is there another one? There's there's several of them, but oh my God, here. Uh, We're once again suing power design for illegally misclassifying hundreds of workers. Do you get the pattern here? That was from May 5th. I mean, he's like launching three or four lawsuits a month, guys. So if you're worried about his lawsuit against Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy and what it's going to do to Bitcoin, don't. Stop. In fact, this is the last time that you should even think about DA 
or uh, Attorney General Carl A. Racine and his lawsuit against Michael Saylor because it's just not going to amount to anything. Now, moving on. Bitcoin miner CleanSpark acquires $33 million mining facility in Georgia. Sean Amick has it for Bitcoin Magazine. Bitcoin mining company CleanSpark Incorporated, which is probably going to get sued by Carl Racine. No, that's not in there. Has entered into an agreement with Moss and Infrastructure Group to purchase a mining facility for $33 million per press release. The turnkey mining facility in Sandersville, Georgia is expected to add 1.4 exahashes per second to CleanSpark's hash rate before the end of the year. By early 2023, the facility should provide a total output of 2.4 exahashes per second, increasing up to 7 exahashes per second by the end of 2023. The company has a goal of 22 exahashes per second across all locations by the end of 2023. Currently, the Sandersville support, uh, facility can support up to oh, no, 24,108 of the latest mining rigs. However, the added hash rate will come once the company successfully expands the facility by 150 megawatts toward the end of next year. <laughs> White House is crying at this point. Once the facility is operating at full capacity, it will support 70,000 mining rigs. Quote, we are pleased to welcome Mawson's Sanderville site and its operating teams into the CleanSpark family, said Zachary Bradford, CleanSpark's chief executive officer. Quote, the site is nothing but impressive, well run by over 20 dedicated professionals who have taken significant pride in the design, development, and maintenance of the site. End quote. Additionally, CleanSpark will be purchasing 6,648 of the latest generation of Bitcoin miners from Mawson for $9.48 million or $17 per terahash. These machines provide 558 terahashes per second and are already operating at the acquired facility. As a transitory measure, CleanSpark will provide temporary hosting services while Mawson transfers their mining operations. Mawson will have access to... 30 megawatts for up to 180 days. Upon the end of this transition, CleanSpark will immediately begin self-mining operations with the available capacity. Quote, we now intend to focus our intention on the continued development of our Pennsylvania and Texas facilities where we see the opportunity for compelling returns on capital, said James Manning, CEO of Mawson. Now, okay, that's the end of the article. The centralization of mining, specifically Bitcoin mining in the United States, is not something that we need to be cheering. And I'm not saying that it needs to be destroyed either. It's just that this is, we're so used to companies purchasing other companies and then just kind of growing and growing and growing and growing. I truly believe that before Bitcoin, that there was an upper limit of corporate size that you could reach. And past that, the corporation itself started to devolve into something terrible and horribly run. And it just gets bad, 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 usually starting with customer service. However, this time we're seeing what we're seeing is the same attitude coming out of corporate America and the corporate world. This is what they've always done. The bigger swallow up the smaller and they become bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. However, this time, with especially with that whole White House report about Bitcoin mining and that it's possible that 
the United States might just ban it. Okay. All right. We need to start thinking about the fact that maybe we don't need to be operating under that structure. Is there some other structure that Mawson and CleanSpark could have where it's mutually beneficial? However, they're not actually the same entity. You see what I'm saying? I don't know how that works, but I get the feeling that we're going to enter into this situation where we decentralize all of the things. And that includes how corporations don't buy each other, but yet form some kind of mutually, financially beneficial system that they can both partake in without owning each other and thereby not becoming an increasingly sizable target with massive amounts of attack surface. You, you get what I'm saying? Also about the whole White House report on they might ban Bitcoin mining. Good luck. Good luck. Because you know what? You know what? I, I, I tweeted out yesterday something like to the effect of uh, nobody can stop me mining individually in quotes as said by 8 billion people. Now, do I believe 8 billion people are going to actually start mining? No, but there are 8 billion potential individual miners. And I think that's a much better system than having giant corporations gobble up slightly smaller corporations that are all involved in mining and become a huge conglomerate, thereby being a huge target with massive amounts of attack surface. You don't want that. So it'll be interesting to see how we move forward. Final note on that. Has it dawned on anybody that the use of marijuana in the United States is still a federal crime? Yet there are over 15 United States states that made marijuana legal in their borders. And the federal government ain't doing shit. Even though the possession, use, sale, any kind of transmission of marijuana in the United States is a federal offense. If you don't think the same thing is going to happen to mining, you are fooling yourself. Texas, if they so like if they were if they had already uh, you know made marijuana legal, which they should because the tax benefits on you know I mean yeah, I, tax is theft, I get it, but just bear with me. If they had already done that, then they would definitely be in a position with precedent to tell the United States government to F off. They're going to go ahead and mine Bitcoin and the federal government ain't going to do nothing about it. We shall see. This is a very interesting time to be alive. I will say that. Uh, what do we got next? Bitcoin on the streets. Nah, let's not do that one. Let's get right on over into El Salvador. One year of Bitcoin and counting. Renata Rodriguez is doing this one for Bitcoin Magazine. El Salvador made history last year when the country adopted Bitcoin. The decision gave legitimacy to what many of us have known for a long time, that Bitcoin is a permissionless technology that was built for the masses. While this milestone was a huge step forward for the country, many knew it couldn't succeed without education. And with a population of over 6 million people, tackling this problem would be a huge undertaking. That's why the efforts of organizations like Bitcoin Beach and Mi Premier Bitcoin have been crucial to adoption in the region and why Paxful has dedicated so much of our time on the ground, being the first international company to arrive with a Bitcoin education program for the whole country starting one year ago. 
launching La Casa del Bitcoin earlier this year, we had a front row seat to the action. It's clear that Salvadorans are open to change and eager to learn about how Bitcoin can change their life within the country. We've educated over 4,000 people in 32 companies and government institutions and hosted over 350 workshops for both beginner and seasoned Bitcoiners. Here's what we've learned. One, Bitcoin is for everyone. Bitcoin has no bounds and it doesn't discriminate. Take Alejandro, for example, collecting his pension. Alejandro found himself worrying about his future. Like so many others, he was skeptical about Bitcoin, but was interested in learning about the ways he could use it to his advantage. After attending a number of classes at La Casa, sorry, La Casa del Bitcoin, he now uses Bitcoin as an investment tool to save for his future. Two, Bitcoin can open doors. With the new law, the people of El Salvador could use Bitcoin to pay for goods and services, easily remit money with friends and relatives abroad, and finally achieve financial freedom. Take La Casa del Bitcoin, which provides free and accessible learning opportunities for or, or, around Bitcoin to build financial inclusion. The center is helping to drive the next wave of Bitcoin mass adoption while providing small merchants and local businesses with the tools they need to connect with customers and expand their income. Three, Bitcoin helping communities. In developing nations, Bitcoin has the power to bridge the financial gap and connect the unbanked to the global economy. Initiatives like Bitcoin Beach have shown the world that we can build sustainable communities using Bitcoin and most importantly, that it works. And that's why what the Built With Bitcoin Foundation is doing all around the world and why it's so important. Building schools and communities with Bitcoin donations. BWB has shown how Bitcoin can be used for social good. Earlier this year, Bitcoin Magazine helped fund the repairs of a school and fund a boat on a remote island in El Salvador called Isla Tasajera. Thanks to Bitcoin, the community can provide their children with a better education and find creative ways to build a stronger financial future. When I arrived in El Salvador last year to run the Lightning Diaries, I discovered that a lot of small businesses in rural areas were already taking Bitcoin. I remember visiting Santa Ana, a small yet vibrant town, and being amazed by the handwritten accepting Bitcoin signs. Salvadorans are known as bizneros, which is an ad adaptation of entrepreneur, and it's no surprise they are discovering how to conquer global entrepreneurship through Bitcoin. So there you go. That's probably be the last year end or, or, or anniversary edition of El Salvador's Bitcoin law that I read. Um, but I just thought it was interesting to have at least a third or fourth perspective on the uh, one year out scenario that we're seeing with Bitcoin in El Salvador. Again, the, the El Salvador Bitcoin project is not a failure. It's just not. If it was a failure, it would be 100% kaput, and it ain't. It still marches on, like the Florida man, who has pled guilty for stealing $100 million in a crypto Ponzi scheme. Uh, Sander Lutz tells us more, decrypt.co, a Florida man. Oh, Florida man. Pleaded guilty in federal district court on Thursday to participating in a cryptocurrency-based Ponzi scheme that defrauded investors of approximately, wait for it, $100 million. 
The, the Department of Justice says Joshua David Nicholas of Stewart, Florida, population 16,000, acted for nearly two years as the so-called head trader of Empires X, a cryptocurrency investment platform that promised investors daily profits of 1% thanks to the combined abilities of a state-of-the-art trading bot and Nicholas's manual trading acumen. In reality, the bot did not exist. Nicholas, along with Empire's ex-co-founders Emerson Salsa Pires and Flavio Mendez Gonclaves, took the majority of investors' funds and leased a Lamborghini, bought numerous items from Tiffany and Company, and made payments on a second home. According to the Justice Department, the small amount of users' funds that Nicholas did trade in the cryptocurrency market incurred substantial losses. Nicholas today pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit securities fraud and faces up to five years in federal penitentiary. Nicholas was also charged, uh, originally charged in June with conspiracy to commit wire fraud, although that's been dropped. Pires and Goncalves, uh, meanwhile, fled to their native country of Brazil after freezing investor withdrawals earlier this year. They were both nonetheless charged in June with securities fraud and wire fraud, as well as conspiracy to commit international money laundering. Quote, the technology has changed but the crime remains the same. George L. Pirro, special agent in charge of the FBI in Miami, said, quote, unscrupulous fraudsters are nothing new in the investment world. What's changing is that they are now pushing their criminal activity into the cryptocurrency realm. Oh, j- now? Just now? Oh, no, this has been going on for a while there, fat pal. Quote, this case should serve as a warning to any individuals who look to illegally capitalize on the perceived ambiguity of the crypto market and take advantage of innocent investors, added Anthony Salisbury, Homeland Security Investigations Miami Special Agent in the case. Parallel to the DOJ's criminal charges, the SEC filed a civil complaint in June against Nicholas, Perez, and Goncalves. It alleged that the defendants violated both the Securities Act of 1933 and the Securities Exchange Act of 1934, in part for defrauding customers, but also, also for failing to register Empire's X as a security. The question of which cryptocurrency-affiliated businesses the U.S. government considers to be securities and therefore in violation of federal law, if unregistered as such, currently looms. Oh no, why did you do that? Oh. Hold on. I had something pop up and it it tore through where I was. Uh, let me try that. The question of which cryptocurrency affiliated businesses the U.S. government considers to be securities and therefore in violation of federal law, if unregistered as such, currently looms over the entire crypto space, not just Ponzi schemes. Just today, SEC's chair Gary Gensler made explicit his belief that several cryptocurrencies potentially including Bitcoin, should be treated not as securities, but as commodities and therefore regulated by the Commodities Future Trading Commission. Where the SEC draws the line between crypto securities and crypto commodities, however, remains unclear, and many in the crypto community have ridiculed the SEC for abstaining from clarifying which businesses should register as securities while continuing to sporadically prosecute certain firms for failing to do so. Yeah, well, you're not, I mean, regulatory clarity sounds nice, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. But, you know, whatever. Let's run the numbers.
CNBC futures and commodities. Well, let's get it going on with oil and energy. West Texas Intermediate having a boost. 3.5% to the upside, back up to $86.5. Brent North Sea, likewise, up 3.5 to $92.33. Natural gas boosted up 1.16% to just over $8 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline, 3.74% to the upside, $2.43 a gallon. Metals, all the shiny metal rocks, having a good day, including gold, up half a point to $1,728.20. Silver is up 1.72% to $18.76. Platinum up just under a point. Copper is up 0.78% and palladium is up almost 2%. Every single agricultural thing is up today. 4.89% to the upside for wheat. Soybean is up 2.11. Corn is up 2.43. Sugar is up 1.67. And coffee rebounding to uh, or by 3.42 uh, percentage points. Sorry, guys. Haven't, it's, it's been a day already. Let's just, let's just say that. Dow. Jones is up 1.2%. S&P is up 1.5%. NASDAQ up 2.13%. And the S&P mini is up 1.67%. Now, nobody's asked me, but if you're wondering why I don't give you many of the actual price numbers for like Dow and S&P and stuff like that, and I, I try to stick with just percentage points, is because all the time that I was always listening to the news and somebody told me like, said, Oh, the Dow Jones is up 60 points to, I don't know, whatever it is, uh, $32,239 okay, or points. That doesn't, that doesn't actually do anything for me. It's the percentage move up or down that actually makes sense to me. And that's why I read the percentage points more than I actually focus on the price, except when I'm doing energy, I give both. But be that as it may, we have better fish to fry at $21,324.36. That's the price of Bitcoin after its bounce. 11,680 transactions have been performed in the last 24 hours, or actually, no, have been performed on average over the last 24 hours. Uh, 3 million BTC have changed hands in the 24-hour period. That's 126,000 BTC every hour on the hour being sent. Average transaction value is 10.81 BTC. The median transaction value, however, is remains the same, 0.023 BTC or just under $500. Block times are slightly low, 9 minutes and 52 seconds, with 0.11 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 17 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And with a 0.97% drop in hash rate, we're all the way down to 209.86 exahashes per second. I gather that there's been a difficulty adjustment in that time, but I don't keep track of that. Uh, your shitcoin indicator is Doge, 6.3 United States pennies at the time of speaking. 6,561 transactions awaiting five blocks to clear. We have a $407.08 billion market cap. That's 3.59% of gold's entire market cap. And if you so choose, you may purchase 
12.4 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,145,684.5 of, and 4,693.95 of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at $99.8 million, uh, being run over 17,223 nodes, sporting 85,209 payment channels, and 70.7% of all that's being run over Tor, and that's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Let's start off with stupid. Prashant Jha from Cointelegraph has this one. The Japanese government issues NFTs to reward local authorities' work. Pay me in shit. That's what that means. Let's find out more. The Japanese government has become one of the first to issue non-fungible tokens as a form of supplementary rewards to recognize the work of local authorities who have excelled at using digital technology to solve local challenges. The awards were handed out by the Cabinet Secretariat, a government agency that is headed by the nation's chief cabinet secretary, Hiro Kazu Matsuno, during the summer Digi Denkoshin 2022 ceremony. Man, that's a mouthful. The event was also attended by the country's prime minister, Fumio Kishida, reported CoinPost. Seven mayors received recognition for their city's ideas centered on the digital economy. Among them was the mayor of Sakata, Yamagata Prefecture, whose administration suggested using electric vehicles for local deliveries. Yay! I hope your grid stays up. An NFT prize was also given to a guy in a, a prefecture whose names I can't pronounce for their idea for a platform that uses cameras on mobile devices to track changes in traffic conditions in real time. The NFTs were issued on the Ethereum blockchain using the proof of attendance protocol. The issued NFTs are non-transferable and have been developed in a way to make them suitable for commemoration. Being non-transferable, these NFTs cannot be traded on the secondary market. They were issued using Indie Square's low-cost blockchain platform, whatever, don't give a shit. Japan is known as a pro-technology and innovative country where crypto has been regulated by the government as a trading asset. The country's prime minister has also shared interest in the use of NFTs on a number of occasions in the past. Thus, the recent initiative from the government could become a tradition to carry forward. NFTs gained a lot of traction during the peak of the bull run. However, with the downturn in the crypto market, the NFT market itself has seen a steep decline in interest as well. With many pundits quick to dismiss NFTs as a bull run fueled mania, initiatives taken by the Japanese government to highlight the adoption of the nascent tech beyond market. Whatever the hell that means. It's like they didn't even finish the sentence. There's not even a period at the end of it. Come on, Cointelegraph, dude. Leave me hanging. Actually, I got all this out of this story that I need, and so do you. Why? Pay me in shit is not going to fly as a marketing tool. I mean, honestly, NFT awards, dude, I can't even put that shit on my on my fireplace mantle. You know, at least give me something that's got like, you know, glass or even acrylic that's got something carved in it. I mean, at least that, at least that costs money, you know. I, 
This is insane. Insane. If you give me an NFT, let's say that I, I don't know, I'm, I'm nominated for like, I don't know, some kind of meme contest or something, and you award me with an NFT, fuck you. I'm sorry, but dude, I, I, I won't care. I won't even, I, I won't even look at it again. I won't even say thank you. It's just not a thing for me. And it really shouldn't be for anybody else. And it sure should, shouldn't be for somebody who actually worked at doing something, even though some of those things were kind of scary. I mean, it's just surveillance, whatever. FTX, now talk about surveillance and spookathon. FTX Ventures scoops up 30% stake in Scaramucci's Skybridge Capital. Liam Kelly has more from Decrypt. Sam Bankman Fried's crypto venture firm FTX Ventures is once again making moves in the market, this time buying a 30% stake in crypto firm Skybridge Capital. Skybridge Capital will be using $40 million of the fresh funding to invest and hold cryptocurrencies on the firm's balance sheet. This is going to be bad. This is going to result in tears. Based in New York City, Skybridge Capital is an investment firm led by Anthony Scaramucci, Troy Gavesky, Brett Messing, and Raymond Nolte. FTX Ventures is a venture fund launched in January 2022. Can we we just like focus on that for a second? FTX was launched in the first month of this year. And look what they're doing. I, I, I have questions. I have seriously deep questions about the backing of FTX and how they got their money. I think this all is a much larger Terra Luna thing. I, I do. I can't help it. It's a gut feeling. I've nobody has ever seen this. When you really get down to it, the amount of money that they're throwing around, where's that shit coming from? Where's that shit coming from? They started FTX this year at the first of this year. Let that sink in. It's only September. It's only September guys. Anyway, uh, FTX Ventures is a venture fund launched in January, 2022 and led by Amy Wu, previously a general partner in Lightspeed Venture Partners. A Skybridge Capital representative confirmed the deal with Decrypt via email. Sam is a visionary who has built incredible businesses that are synergistic with the future of Skybridge, said Anthony Scaramucci. FTX Ventures has yet to respond to Decrypt's request for comment. The latest move comes after Skybridge paused investor redemptions in July for one of its funds with exposure to Bitcoin and Ethereum called Legion Strategies. Legion. If anybody understands the biblical term of that, you would understand why that's not a good name for anything. The fund managed roughly $230 million in assets with nearly a quarter of those funds held in crypto as of February. Quote, the suspension is driven largely by a liquidity mismatch resulting from late stage private investments in the fund. Skybridge funds do not have leverage. There is zero risk of any asset liquidation, a Skybridge representative told Decrypt at the time. The halt meant that Scaramucci's firm joined a long list of other crypto firms and projects taking similar decisions amid the wider crypto route. And while some firms have struggled in such adverse conditions, Sam Bankman-Fried has emerged as somewhat of a savior, shelling out millions to troubled companies. As crypto prices slumped, Sam Bankman-Fried began shelling out 
lifelines to various crypto firms. In total, he handed out roughly $750 million in various investments to companies like BlockFi and Voyager Digital. It's still unclear, however, if the recent investment in Skybridge Capital were for the same reasons. As for the title of crypto savior, Bankman Fried said he was disappointed that no one else joined him in propping up the industry. <laughs> Why? Why would they? Only Bitcoin matters. Quote, I would be super happy for others to take that on instead of me. The reason that I've been doing it, frankly, is because it doesn't seem clear to me that there are others who are stepping up and doing that. He told, or he said on a recent episode of Decrypt's Good Morning Podcast, also known as GM Podcast, there's so much wrong here. There's just so much wrong. Like I said, man, I mean, the FTX, the venture arm launched this year. You know, FTX itself is not even that much older, honestly. And yet, $750 million just throwing it around? He's like paying for all the Super Bowl ads. He's buying like, you know, stadiums and arenas and whatnot like that. that. Where did that money come from? You need to really ask yourself where that money came from. And when they talk about the other businesses, I've never heard of this guy before FTX and FTX Ventures. Never before have I heard of a Sam Bankman fried. Now, it doesn't mean he didn't exist, but I'm in, I am interested in finding out what other businesses he constructed. Because this is a guy that literally came out of the blue. I'm just saying, I got a gut feeling and it ain't good. So just y'all watch yourself. Now, I made mention of Luna, the whole Terra Luna thing. And I did that for a reason. Because... Today, you're, I'm telling you, man, the amount of stupid that continues to enter this space is eye-watering. Eye-watering. The meat bags keep falling into crypto thinking that they've just discovered something brand new and they're going to get yield. How do I know that they are still coming in with literally no history of what's gone on? Because Luna has exploded 150% in an hour. As volatility ramps up, George Georgiev has it for crypto potato. The cryptocurrency behind the Terra ecosystem is going through major volatility at the time of this writing. In the past hour alone, Luna's price skyrocketed by a whopping 150% and almost touched five bucks. The move happened with significant volume relative to that of previous days. So, Bullet point list. Luna's price exploded by a stunning 150% in about an hour and is currently trading at $4.70. Another bullet point. It's also evident that the volatility has picked up tremendously as the subsequent candle also had an amplitude of about 20%. This resulted in a considerable number of liquidations for that particular cryptocurrency. In less than an hour, almost $7 million in leverage positions were wiped off the market. It's also worth noting that the move comes shortly after LUNC, the cryptocurrency that powers the classic version of Terra's ecosystem, skyrocketed by about 100% weekly. The latter happened because major exchanges such as KuCoin and Gate.io extended support for the protocol's tax burn mechanism. Terra Luna, if you don't remember, this is what caused this last crash. It completely evaporated. It destroyed hundreds of billions of dollars. It caused Three Arrows Capital to go 
defunct. That's why Sam Bankman Fried gave BlockFi money because all of their shit fell through the floor. They're, they're, the, the parking lot of crypto land is littered with the bodies of investors that thought Terra and the Luna Foundation Guard and the fact that they were buying Bitcoin and all the shit that they were doing is just littered with their bodies of people that thought it was okay. And they all got wiped out. And here we are, not, I mean, just a handful of weeks away from the onset of that shit. And you've got people that are pumping Luna because the memory in this space is so short. And the reason it's so short is not because we that are here forgot. It's because meat bags are falling in the hole like lemmings falling off a cliff. There are so many, this is going to continue and it's going to be, it's going to be magical to watch how many people lose their money because the news of what goes on inside this rabbit hole doesn't seem to actually get out into the world. And more and more meat bags with their freshly minted paychecks just fall into the hole. And instead of finding Bitcoin first, they run into some asshole who directs them to Terra Luna. Remember we were talking about all the batch, like we started this entire show out with the Queen's NFTs and all the human sludge that continues to run down the pipes of this fucking rabbit hole. It's not going to stop. The only thing that you can do is to Buy Bitcoin, hold Bitcoin, and educate people about Bitcoin. If they ask you about anything else, just tell them you're not interested in talking any longer or however you want to handle that. But don't entertain educating, spending your time rubbing two neurons together to tell somebody anything negative or positive about Ethereum or Luna or whatever. Corona crap coin. It does not matter. Just don't waste your energy. It's not worth it. And it's going to get people in fucking trouble. It it really is. Because the people that are like buying Luna right now, they're going to get wiped out. I'm just saying. And it's probably going to be by defiance. That's probably who's going to wipe everybody out because they've debuted an ETF that shorts blockchain companies. This is from Blockworks by Ben Strack. ETF provider Defiance has launched a fund that bets against the blockchain industry by holding short positions in the largest blockchain ETF in the U.S. As the industry grapples with the downturn in crypto and traditional markets, the Defiance Daily Short Digital Economy ETF seeks daily inverse return returns of Amplify's ETF Transnational Data Sharing ETF. The fund group had revealed plans to launch IBIT, which is the name of the shorting ETF, back in April. The new fund enters short positions of the actively managed Block BLOK fund, which includes top holdings in Core Scientific, Silvergate, Accenture, IBM, and Overstock.com as of Wednesday. BLOK has returned 26% since its inception in 2018, but the fund is down roughly 50% 
year to date and about 15% in the past month. The ETF has about $540 million in assets under management. Though defiance remains bullish on the growth of crypto over the next few years, CEO Sylvia Jabalonsky said in a statement, the executive pointed to the recent layoffs and revenue losses around the industry. Quote, we believe shorting positions such as Coinbase, Galaxy, and Robinhood, along with those involved in the metaverse like Meta and Roblox, will provide the best downside protection in the current environment, she added. Coinbase is down about 73% year-to-date, while Galaxy Digital and Robinhood stock prices dropped roughly 70% and 47% respectively so far in 2022. When the Federal Reserve stops hiking interest rates and inflation starts to wane, investors are likely to dip their toes back into crypto, Jablonski told BlockWorks. Quote, investors are taught to have well-diversified portfolios, a barbell approach, or hedges for tough times, she said in an email. Having a product available to cover the crypto space is this same, in this same spirit could be very advantageous to traders and investors alike. End quote. Defiance has seven ETFs trading in the United States with roughly $1.2 billion in combined assets, according to ETF.com. Its largest is the Next Gen Connectivity ETF, which has gathered nearly $1 billion in assets since its March 2019 launch. The firm, in December, launched the Defiance Digital Revolution ETF, which invests in companies with exposure to NFTs, blockchain, and cryptocurrency. Like Block, NFTZ has Silvergate as a top five holding alongside Marathon Digital, DraftKings, Cloudflare, and Robinhood. NFTZ, which has gathered just $6 million in assets during its time on the market, is down about 63% so far this year. Um, yeah, so there is just a hedge ETF against their other ETFs, which are pro uh, chain. But just be aware that people are are going to you know are going to be shorting the entire industry and that's not going to end either you know whether you like it or hate it or just don't give a shit about it it is a thing and you should at least be aware of it that's why i bring you the news that i do just saying now savage bitcoiners Let's have an interview with Walton as given by Pirate Beach Bum, everybody's favorite bum. This is from Citadel21.com, the magazine. So, Walton is from the United Kingdom. And the first question up is, how long have you been into Bitcoin and what got you interested? I first bought Bitcoin in August of 2018 after being repeatedly pestered by a friend who was a maximalist. I was skeptical of the concept of Bitcoin, but after being convinced that Bitcoin had absolute scarcity, and more importantly, an independently verifiable supply, I was sufficiently convinced to buy my first sats. At the time, I was trying to get a business off the ground and didn't have much fiat to put in, but I tried to start saving again. A million sats here, a million there, you know. Best Bitcoin experience and your worst Bitcoin experience. My best experience was probably meeting about 100 Bitcoiners in Miami in April at the conference and satellite events, many of whom I'd spent hours and hours talking to on Clubhouse, Twitter spaces, podcasts, etc. Bitcoin plebs have a rare optimism for the future, a stark contrast to no coiner normies. But my worst experience was thinking I'd lost a bunch of sats on my lightning node in the very early plebnet days about a year ago. But actually all that happened was that my alias was too long 
SSHing into my node and changing it to something shorter. Uh, and it was back to running normally. Yeah, it scared the piss out of me too. What is the biggest fail you have seen in the Bitcoin world? The Nick Carter self-immolation. If you don't know what self-immolation is, ladies and gentlemen, it means lighting yourself on fire. Just saying. Explain what CoinBeast is. Bitcoin education is time-consuming, challenging, and sometimes convoluted. To understand Bitcoin requires individuals to grasp concepts from a variety of disciplines. No shit. All Bitcoin education can be free, but requires more time and more capacity to learn and work independently. As I like to say, with full sovereignty comes full responsibility. And this responsibility can be daunting for many, especially when it comes to taking self-custody for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Some individuals may elect to hire a Bitcoin tutor to help bolster their knowledge and understanding to a level that they can be more sovereign and take that step independently. Other people may be interested in mathematically modeling their mining returns or learning to run their own node. At CoinBeast, they can book a 30 to 60 minute call with a pro of their choice for bespoke one-to-one Bitcoin education. That would be coinbeast.com forward slash connect. I joined the team a couple of months ago and haven't looked back. I'd been in private education for a long time, mainly tutoring math. So tutoring Bitcoin also has a great overlap. What is the council of autism and who else is involved? I used to spend a lot of time on Clubhouse talking to Bitcoiners, but left because the community there started being too soft on shitcoiners, with some Bitcoiners pushing pro-Cantillion assets like NFTs. Twitter Spaces had just launched, and so I hopped over. After a couple of months in Spaces, being a regular co-host and others, I launched a new space, once again because the regular Bitcoin Twitter Spaces were being too soft on shitcoiners, giving them platforms to spout disingenuous takes. I formed the Bitcoin Council of Autism, a place that would put the principle of truth above niceness that would put integrity over popularity. Shinobi and TC were co-founders with Jim, Ant, Magoo, Lono, and Tarantula joining not long after. Unlike basically every Bitcoin Twitter space, we never record our spaces. Instead, providing a space where Bitcoiners can hang out, shitpost, and occasionally learn without fear of not appearing as a polished speaker on a recording. All right, well, how can people attend one of your Council of Autism spaces? Follow the Bitcoin Council of Autism on Twitter. And that would be twitter.com forward slash the bit council. We run spaces three to four nights a week, usually for a few hours from three, I'm sorry, from 420 Central Time, sometimes uh, at 615 Eastern Time. Get it? 420, 6.15, what, whatever. Why do you think memeing is important? Quote, a picture is worth a thousand words. It can make communication more efficient. Humor is a key factor to drive virality. So memes can also spread the message further than information, heavy tweet, article, podcast, et cetera, et cetera. Memes are also a low demand on time. So it can be taken in quickly. An individual's time is the only thing more scarce than Bitcoin. What's your favorite meme of all time? Laser eyes till fiat dies. Why is there so much drama between meme crews? I think it's artificial, a marketing trick. Why is Bitcoin toxicity important? Bitcoin toxicity is a misnomer. 
The fiat world has incentivized individuals who have high political quotients, essentially individuals who are good at manipulating the behaviors of others. They frame ideas disingenuously and then leverage politicized niceness against those who speak out against them. Many Bitcoiners are altruistic and will, or or rather will not tolerate mistruths spoken by others. The label of toxic is a prime example of high PQ individuals resorting to ad hominem attacks to try to win in the court of public opinion. Integrity is important. Fiat maximalists want to frame it as toxicity because they want to get away with their scams, usually targeting lost souls who have high time preferences cultivated in the fiat world. Bitcoiners should continue to call them out because Bitcoiners should continue to tell the truth. Who is the biggest Bitcoin sellout of all time that deserves to be put on blast? Bitcoin sellouts don't deserve attention, since that's what they crave. Bitcoin sellouts are almost always midwits who think that they're smarter than they actually are. Who are some of the most hardcore Bitcoiners you know and why? Chateau members. This requires no further explanation. If you do not know Chateau, you should start to seek the Chateau. That's what I'm saying. That's not what what, uh, Walton's saying. Uh, I'm in the Chateau. I understand the Chateau. I know what the Chateau is. Uh, Dragon's Den has nothing in comparison to the Chateau. Seek and ye shall find. What are your thoughts on this recent pullback in the market? It's a chance to buy cheap corn which incentivizes me to work even harder. How long do you think it will take to turn this thing around? I don't care, to be honest. I came into Bitcoin in a bear market. It's a great time for learning more about the technology and the technological, de- technological developments like lightning, which is getting tough to keep up with. What do you think some people, especially noobs, gravitate to shitcoins? So I never bought a shitcoin in large part thanks to being orange pilled by a maximalist, but also recognizing that independently uh, variable supply and absolute scarcity are of utmost importance. Many noobs gravitate to shitcoins for three reasons. High time preference, misunderstandings about diversification, and shitcoiners exploiting internet and traditional marketing organizations by paying influencers to drive traffic to articles on shitcoins. This then drives those data-driven organizations to produce more articles on shitcoins. Why do you think Bitcoin plebs are important? Bitcoin plebs are individuals who have recognized that fixing the money enables them to work on fixing themselves. They are principled individuals trying to better the lives of themselves and those around them. Plebs are people who know that it's only by fixing themselves that we have a hope of fixing the world. Why do some Bitcoin influencers hate Bitcoin plebs? Because plebs telling the truth get in the way of cringe-fluencers, simp-fluencers monetizing their followings. What are your thoughts on the future of Lightning? I'm bullish as fuck. Lightning is a very exciting technology that will significantly help with scaling Bitcoin to more users, but... There is still a lot of work to be done, especially with regards to privacy. Why do you think shitcoiners underestimate Bitcoin and Lightning? Because they don't do the work to understand it. Or they do understand it, but are morally corrupt and will put down Bitcoin and Lightning to pump their own shitcoin bags. What do you think of ESG finding its way into Bitcoin? I think we should reject fiat maximalist corrupt framing of things. But it's also possible to argue that Bitcoin is the most ESG-friendly commodity that there is. What Bitcoin innovations have you the most fired up lately? 
taproot, but it still needs to be implemented by many wallet providers. What are your go-to Bitcoin storage options? I love multi-sig. The redundancy is, is especially very appealing. And if seedless makes transitioning to self-custody much easier than using a single signing device for a single SIG wallet. Self-hosted multi-sig is even better, obviously so for privacy, but requires a little more technical understanding. Any tips you want to give to people new to Bitcoin? Not your keys, not your coins. Self-custody and don't seek yield on your Bitcoin. Know that you can save effectively for the long term and focus on building your business, your income, your family, and your life. That's going to do it for the Morning Roundup. Time for a joke with Dad Says Jokes. What has five toes and isn't your foot? My foot. I can't find any uh, discrepancies in the logic. I think Dad Says Jokes is absolutely correct on that. And if you want to be correct, you can float me some Satoshis via the Fountain app. No, they're not a sponsor, but they should be. Hey, why don't you... Uh, Give him a call. Tell him, hey, you should you should sponsor the Bitcoin and podcast because he's shilling your shit all the time. Anyway, Fountain App, you can send me Satoshis while I stream you these dulcet tones or you can use the Boostergram. Yes, you can send me a message and Satoshis at the same time. It's magic. Oh my God. Send me birth announcements. Send me a joke. Send me anything you want. A question. You can ask me questions about backyard chickens. I had them for damn near three years. I kind of know about chickens. So if you want to know something about chickens and shit to watch out for, send me a question via Boostergram. And uh, let's see, what, what else do we need to cover? That I, that's, I think that that's it. Uh, it's Friday. I want you all to have a good weekend. This is going to be our first weekend without the Queen of England. God only knows how this is going to roll out, but God save the Queen, man. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.